We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jam-packed OBR film breakdown for you guys today. It's myself, Andrew Spade. We go through day five of training camp. We talk about things going on around the NFL, the uptick of injuries, Joe Burrow's injury scare in Cincinnati, Jalen Ramsey in Miami, the impact of those injuries, banter on the coaching staff, and then we deal with some wide receivers with your preview at the end. Enjoy today's show. Welcome in, everybody. It's the OBR Film Breakdown. We're here live. Andrew Spade's with me. We have a fun episode. We're gonna do- we're gonna jump right into around the NFL, really, because it seems like Andrew today the sweeping news is injuries that are mm-hmm. happening. Now, this there's a myriad of injuries every uh, every. I don't know, it's not called the offseason name. Every training camp, preseason, it, it always happens. But have you felt like I don't know? I don't know if it's just recency bias or what, but like. I feel like in the recent years, there's been just an uptick in the volume mm-hmm. of these. And like today we saw, you know, we're ta- we'll talk about Joe Burrow in a minute. He leaves with what initially some folks were like, is that an Achilles? Seems like it's a calf strain. And then Jalen Ramsey leaves with a, a knee injury. You, you hear it's not serious. Then Jalen Ramsey stuff comes out that, Okay, he can get some surgery. He can he can be back by the beginning of the uh, of the season, maybe the end or the middle. And then they get this tweet from Rappaport that's like, they're going to go in and look at it. Could be ready the beginning of the year, middle of the year, or maybe be out the whole season. So it's like it's moving in the wrong direction uh, for Jalen Ramsey. I think Garrett Wilson tweaked an ankle uh, on the Brown side. Like I think Grant Delpit left, but he's okay. Grant Delpit's fine. Uh, Matthew Adams, uh, the the special teams linebacker who's got a real chance to make the roster. I think he's got a calf issue as well. So I don't know, man. I know there's more across the NFL that we don't even know about, but the big ones that stood out, I mean, anytime you see a top five quarterback, some could argue top three quarterback get hurt and it, and it just looks bad, it's pretty jarring, right? Especially considering yeah. it's your division, it's it's the it's the opener. There's a lot there. But I think the, the news for Burrow, who I think I've been pretty vocal about it, and some of you might hate this on this podcast who bleed orange and brown, but like I think Joe Burrow's my favorite non-Browns player. He just is a 
I think he's a very authentic human being who plays the position in a way that I have loved quarterback play to be played. And I just, everything about him as a leader and a quarterback I enjoyed before Cincinnati. So he goes to Cincinnati and it's like, okay, now I have to stop caring about this guy as a player. I I just don't think that's right. I like him. I mean, I'm not rooting for him to beat the Browns, but I just, I really enjoy Joe Burrow, the person, the quarterback, all the above. It sucks. I hate it. I loathe that he's in Cincinnati. It seems like all these quarterbacks that you end up wanting to like end up in this division somehow, excluding one very mm-hmm. obvious one. So, you know, I, I it's it with Burrow. I, I don't want him to be hurt, man, obviously. But this does potentially impact the first game, right? I mean, it's it's going to loom. Yeah, I think it's looming. I mean, if you watch the video, that's where it really, you know, if you just read about it, it sounds like it's pretty manageable. We watch the video and it's 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 drastic what what happens to him, you know. Those sorts of non-contact where you you feel it and then you just go down. Never, you know, they, those never look good and especially, you know, it's it's a reminder too like uh the Browns have been in camp now for you know, a few days, right? They're in, they're on day five, I think. Um, a lot of teams started yesterday, so this is their yeah. second practice, and so this is the prime time. The first two or three days is the prime time for soft tissue injuries because you're just you're ramping back up, and if you don't, you know, if the hydration's not on point and the stretching and the you know all that stuff, these that's when these things hamstrings and you know get calves and you said the you know Achilles and. It, that's where the stuff all comes from because it's just very hard to go from not doing much to, you know, you see him kind of do what he does, which is uh, wait for a second, and then kind of burst out of the pocket to roll right. And it's that first burst when he starts to run where it, it something goes and that's how these things work. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's also interesting to me. I, I feel like there has been, a, a trend now where if the injury is to a high profile player, it doesn't usually the bad news doesn't all come at once. You know, uh, yes, it's rare that well they'll, said. they'll start the lead with he's, he's cooked. It's like, they kind of, you know, you, you, you know, you mentioned the Jalen Ramsey thing, how it like different shades of it came out throughout the day. It's like, they don't want to jump right to, you know, season ending injury. They want to like, you know, because it's such a it's such a momentum killer. It's such a buzz killer when you're yeah. starting training camp and you've got everybody on board. And then, you know, one of the one of your you know one of your leaders and Joe Burrow or one of the players that you brought in that's supposed to elevate your team and Jalen Ramsey go down at the top of camp. Not even you know not we're not talking like mid camp. Like this is we just got here. You know, and so I think there's an element of like trying to preserve morale. Not to say that that, that necessarily anything is going to come out that's that's like worse for for Joe Burrow but it's just interesting to me that it it's almost always really kind of managed in this way of you know we're always using the word sprain and strain you know no one's ever tearing anything what i what i've always heard and believe in is you can't win a super bowl in August, July and August but you can certainly lose it and if right. you do get a chance to watch that Burrow video which i found it interesting he had a sleeve on that right mm-hmm. leg so mm-hmm. i don't know if he was experiencing some tightness and maybe it like their hope is that it's a cramp and they're going to be very tight lipped about it and, and yeah. say, like, I know, I think a strain, they came out and said it was a strain. Yeah. And, and they asked Zach Taylor about that uh, in his post game or post practice press conference. And he said uh, that he was, they, they will sometimes wrap areas of soreness after the first day of practice. So he, he said like he was sore. So they wrapped it uh, for today. And so, but that's, you know, to your point, that's kind of, those problem areas, that's usually where those things happen, right? What, you know, you kind of go to examples of this, right? So like 
I, I think of there's probably a, a more narrow base of examples of this, but you go sport by sport. I'm pretty sure that last Warriors run, Kevin Durant had a gnarly calf strain. Yeah. He led to rushing him back and he rushed back and then tore the Achilles, if I recall. Then there's uh, baseball examples I have of this, and I don't know why I always remember this, but Lonnie Chisenhall, just a name <laughs> from Guardians Path, he always dealt with calf strains. Yeah. They would, they would take a while to heal, upwards of like six weeks. Mm-hmm. And obviously with the Browns, Wyatt Teller for two straight years has dealt with calf strains that have cost him portions of the season. Now, offensive linemen, it's a bit different because you're anchoring another 300-pound human being at the same time. The drive force on the leg is just a little bit different than a quarterback dropping, planting, and trying to run out of the pocket. But nonetheless, these things, like this is not something to scoff at and be like, he'll be back in a couple days. Now there, as I understand this, if doctor uh, podcast doctors are out there listening to this and have a correct uh, way to look at it, that's fine. I, I mean, I'm open to, to correcting this on a later pod, but there are grades to these things. Grade one is usually a relatively minor week, week and a half works out. You can work it out. Some minor pain. Mm-hmm. Grade two, though, starts to get really dicey where like yeah. a grade two one is really massive discomfort and pain and you're out upwards of like again like i said four to six weeks it could change for some people could get up to two months and i think there's a third grade of of calf strain that's Mm -hmm. really bad so um we don't know any of where that is with burrow but we do know two things come to mind one it's great he did not tear a knee ligament again and it's great that he did not tear the achilles but the second part is that this is now on the front of of everything Browns Bengals, yeah. Because he is going to miss time, like he's going to miss preparation time. And it's not to say Joe can't just practice the week of that game and come back and be fine, but it is going to alter how sharp they are week one. Yep. And it potentially he could miss that game, which changes sort of everything. So you know, yep. it's it's there's a lot riding on that. From just if we're looking at it through a Browns lens. You get him early in the year, and that could coincide with when he's just not quite ready to come back yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. And a reminder that last year he had that appendix uh, surgery at the beginning of training camp, missed all of training yeah, camp right. or all of preseason, right. uh, and and you know did, was pretty limited through training camp. And then they came out and lost to the Steelers in Week One. And he threw four interceptions that's in right. that game, if I recall. Yep. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, yeah, that's not a that's not a trend the Bengals yeah. prefer to stay on. Right. Know? But and and obviously you know, we're not rooting for this at all as, as, you know, people covering the Browns, but it's about, as you said, it's about what are the narratives already shaping up to be for Bengals Browns. Right. And, and the number one narrative from the Browns defense perspective was how do you slow down this offense? Well, this changes that conversation pretty significantly. Yeah. Trevor Simeon is not in the same ballpark. We we feel pretty safe saying that, although he is an upgrade over, I believe that Brandon Allen. Yeah. He's better than Brandon Um, Allen. And he's got that, you know, run around and do stuff, you know, streak a little bit, but Mm -hmm. uh, you definitely feel better about, especially on the road, you know, being in Cleveland, that would be, you know, that would be a, a, a very favorable matchup for the Browns. But I mean, of course we said that last year with Bailey Zappi and look what happened. Yeah, we shouldn't put that cart in front of the horse. Yeah, uh, a, lot ever, of, a lot of time ever, between ever, now ever. and September 10th. Plenty of time. So, But again, we wanted to make sure to, to mention it because there are ramifications that linger to week one. We'll see if um, the Bengals have to come out and confirm and talk about what you know what grade of strain this is and their time frame. And I'm sure they'll kind of be tight-lipped. But 
again, this is evidence of when you have massive contract negotiations going on. Yeah. If this was an Achilles or a second knee ligament, that yep. would change the entire scope of that deal. So it would. Uh, there's just the, you, you talk about why do players sit out? Why do they? Mm-hmm. Because you don't get many of these opportunities in life. And right. before that ink is dried, you better make sure everything's in, in the right place. So I'm sure that there will start to be a little bit more narrow negotiations happening from Burrow's side in the coming in the coming month. Um, we talked about the other injuries as far as around the league. Obviously, the Dolphins are running that dream team scenario here, and, and it feels like you know, whenever someone references the loaded rosters, the dream teams, these sorts of things happen, unfortunately. I do hope Ramsey, he's one of the better defensive backs in the entire league. We hope that he comes back and he plays. The Browns don't get the Dolphins this year, so it has no direct impact, but they're a team that will be competing yep. for the playoffs in a loaded division. And any part of the, a serious part of that is, uh, is worth at least referencing, right? So, yep. um, Miami, though, has done a nice job, still pretty solid depth at corner. I think they'll right. be fine, and maybe they'll end up using that as like a midseason boost, getting him back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Garrett Wilson, the, the Jets would be in trouble if they lost him for any serious amount of time. I don't think that injury's in any way serious. Just sounds like a tweet. Kind of don't know in the realm of like Amari Cooper, who's just kind of really playing this, playing this careful. Feels like Amari's going to be back in the coming days here. It seems yeah. like he's not far off, but yeah. um, you never want to see a guy. I think Garrett Wilson's got real top three wide receiver potential in in, in him this year and you know to me that largely ties to Aaron Rodgers and what Aaron can do with him you've seen some early chemistry in some of their videos because those two you know the Browns and Jets are in a collision course here in a week and they've opened practice the same time so you got great clips there and you know I I, hell I could watch the one-on-one Garrett Wilson sauce Gardner clips that they put out the other day like that could be an entire episode of hard knocks and I'd just be kind of sitting on the edge of my seat that's the that's some of the best stuff to watch two very talented players uh, going at it all the time, but but I think the, the the Jets released. I think what we wanted to reference was the Jets released. Um, we didn't mention this, and I and I should have Andrew. I'm sorry. I'm going to backtrack a little bit before we get to the Jets. The Bengals did extend. Oh yeah, uh, Trey Hendrickson, mm-hmm. which is which is again around the division. We try to hit on these things that really breaks the mold for what they do. And we're talking about, are the Bengals going to follow some of their tendencies mm-hmm. um, with these big contracts looming and Hendrickson getting a one year add on to his, I think he had an original four year, 60 million deal that he negotiated. I don't think he had an agent if I recall and that he has outperformed that he's been really good for them. That was one of the signings in free agency. People really knocked. Yeah. They hated he it. has been dynamite I mean, I for them. Yeah. 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 He's been, he's been really good for them and uh, has worked out well and they've extended him through 2025 uh, 21 million I think was the added on year and like 8 million uh, fully guaranteed right now so mm-hmm. again trends with the Bengals if you want to see are they not going to pay some of these guys well they they have a very strict motto they followed and this is an at least a sign that they're going to maybe think outside of the box on some of this core and do everything they can to keep some of those guys around for a certain period of time now back to what we were talking about Aaron Rodgers' number is is silly. It's like 110 million the contract that came over with him from Green Bay over the next two years. So yeah. What what are the numbers on that that they restructured to? Uh, so it's it's down from two years and a total remaining guarantee of 110 million to uh, 75 million. So That's a lot it's, of money. it's it's all guaranteed, uh, but it's two years 75 rather than two years 110. 
So um, either do, way, what, what do you what do you think? You think he's back? Do you think he's running two years? The Jets? I think he, I think if it goes well, I think he wants to. You know, I yeah. think he probably wants to. I think he probably feels like he's got two shots at a at a ring. So yeah. so he probably feels like if he gets one this year, he probably rides off into the sunset. But he's got that second chance if he wants it. Uh, you know, it's also I mean a ton of money, right? So it's you know uh, you know you know you you retire, you're walking away from most of that. So, um, yeah, I think he probably wants both years, but I think he's given himself the flexibility to, to kind of do whatever he wants, which is his main thing at this point. Right. Sure. It sure. Seems like that. I mean, he's always gonna, not always, but he's followed so many unconventional path, you know, from, from the end of his career here and how it's all shaking out. I, would I be surprised if he walked away from it? No. If like you said, it's a frustrating season yeah, some way, shape or form, but I think it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money to yeah. just leave on the table. So I do expect, and I think the Jets have all along expected him to run there uh, for two years. And, you know, they're trying to use that opportunity to see if he can teach up, coach up, do whatever with Zach Wilson so that right. there's some sort of future there. I think they're trying to do as much of that as possible. So, and again, you know, why are you guys hitting on there? A team that I think the Browns could be in uh, jockeying with in the yeah. AFC to make the playoffs again. So you, you always kind of take yeah. note of that. Yeah. Yeah. Worth mentioning probably too those comments from Sean Payton on the Jets, right? And and uh and the yeah. Broncos last year and and how it it's interesting, Jake. I mean, some of these guys in the NFL are, you know, like Kevin Stefanski and others of of that ilk, Bill Belichick, right? That will never give you a straight answer, right? Although mm-hmm. Belichick will occasionally give you like a scheme thing, you know, like a real juicy you know, explanation of a scheme concept and, and Stefanski plays it all really close to the vest. Uh, and then there's other guys that will just tell you exactly what's on their mind, you know, and uh, Sean Payton is at the top of that. I mean, he, you know, he, he retired uh, from the saints, made a bunch of money as a TV guy last year. So he probably feels like, you know, pretty secure that he can just kind of say what he wants and either way he's going to have a job next year. But uh, uh, just some really interesting comments about the, the, the Broncos last year and how the, you know, he doesn't blame Russell Wilson for the, a lot of the stuff that happened. Cause it was, you know, the quote he said was it's the parents that let them get away with it, you know, which I think is an interesting way of phrasing it. Um, and just really, you know, directly pointing the finger at Nathaniel Hackett and just how, how poor of a poor, poorly coached, poorly run offense, poorly run team it was, uh, you know, in terms of they had trouble getting the plays in routinely. This is all stuff you knew if you watched the Broncos, but, Sure, it's different when the, when a head coach is saying that about another, you know, uh, and and Nathaniel Hackett is employed by the Jets, right? So he's, <laughs> I mean, when we were talking about them for what week five, something like that. So yeah, yeah. So it's, run into each other. It's it's a really interesting tact from from Peyton to to kind of go hard in that way. I, I I'm not sure I fully understand it, other than he feels like he is safe to kind of just be honest and. I mean, it's refreshing, right? Because that's the sort of stuff that you assume these guys are saying. They're about saying it, hundred percent. Each yeah. other, right? Like mm-hmm. that. You you know that probably there was some of those conversations back in 2020 when Kevin Stefanski came in and cleaned up Freddie Kitchen's mess, right? Like there was, yep. there were probably some. You guys did what now? You know, there was some, some of those yeah. conversations. Uh, but to hear somebody say it on the record like that is is pretty pretty stunning, and I think. It, the thing that I said to you and, 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 you know, said to a group of folks in Slack today was, you know, uh, what, 
what what is what would be said? What would Sean Payton be saying if if they had if the Browns had had a worse record last year and moved on from Kevin Stefanski? It's a it's a what if it's a it's an interesting what if I I, I think that like it's funny. I hearken kind of go, go back to when Kelsey, they, I don't know if you remember this exercise, but they had Travis Kelsey go through and name, like they looked at the oh, yeah. coaches yes. meeting stuff and he had no clue who Stefanski was, even though the Browns and chiefs played some very meaningful games in the past three years. Like it's, it's interesting. I feel like Kevin is, he's a guy that most of them would be like, I don't know that dude very well. I just, yep. I feel, I feel like most of them would say that. I don't think Kevin would come in and I don't think it, sorry. I don't think Sean would have come into Cleveland and had the opportunity to, to, to go as far as he went with Hackett. I, I don't think, you know, we're yeah, saying I agree. the obvious, I agree. but I do think there probably could have been some things to nitpick with Peyton. It's, I mean, there's not very many guys who would a do that and B feel comfortable enough to do that. Like, you know, Sean Payton is, and Robert Sala's response to that from the Jets' perspective is pretty fitting. Like, he can kind of say whatever he wants. He's he's the pinnacle of what these guys do. He's been to the top. He's been with the record-breaking quarterback. He's, it's so rare to see these guys. You know, New Orleans is interesting in this regard where they just have gotten this cluster of guys around the time they signed Breeze that they really trust. Pete Carmichael has been the offensive coordinator, and he still is. Yep. Since 2009. Yeah. It's unheard of. Right. And I know that they're, he's not always calling the plays. He's kind of been the Van Pelt to Stefanski. He's had stretches of calling plays there. But like, uh, this just, it is a really, it was a really unique thing that New Orleans had put together and are still trying to like kind of fight in the ashes of what I think is a dead era, mm-hmm. fighting the ashes to keep it alive, kind of keep that spark alive. But uh, Peyton is, is a very confident guy, but in a good way. Mm-hmm. I just, the, the biggest thing for me is I'm stunned that the good old boy network, would do yeah. that to one another, even if it's yeah. the word. Like, get these guys behind closed doors, get them sauced up a little bit. They'll right. say this stuff nonstop. They have these opinions. They know NFL coaches know who the phony ones are. They right. know. Yep. They know. It's not their job to tell the prospective teams hiring these guys. I would imagine that the reaction to coaches' circles around the hiring of Freddie Kitchens was flabbergasting. Like, right. those guys were probably so confused yeah why the browns would do that and i don't think that would have happened with kevin he paid his dues he got where he got yeah, by working absolutely. his way through a successful organization but i did listen to play callers the other day and i found it interesting that they were referencing um kyle was referencing that playoff game remember minnesota with kevin went into new orleans yeah. and kind of stunned new orleans and then they went to san francisco and got their asses kicked yep He's like, we ran the ball 45 times because we, I was watching what Minnesota was doing to, to our defense, and they had no chance. So I just ran the ball because I knew we were going to be fine. So yeah, that's as I was walking hear. my dog, <laughs> and this is, again, 2019, so right. there's evolution, there's all of that stuff. But as I was walking my dog, I was thinking to myself, is Kevin Stefanski kind of like a B, B-plus coach where you can do – significantly worse (laughs) we've seen it (laughs) we've lived it but you could maybe do better and i and i just started to creep into my mind of like in circles of like i'm listening to this play caller stuff jordan does a great job with it she's crushed it it's so fascinating and like as i'm listening to that 
I hear him talking about this offense and branching off of it and all these different coaches, and they talk about the Kubiak stuff. Never does Kevin's name get brought up. Nope. And, and really among the best in the business, it doesn't get brought up. Now, I think he's done a nice job at times. I've talked about it so, like very vocally. I've said yep. he schemes guys open. He does a pretty good job. I again go back to, is he one of those guys where coach is going into the game? I would just love I mean, Kyle's kind of the OG now, which is scary to think about. Yeah, everybody respects like you know McVeigh came from Kyle. They all worked their way through Kyle McDaniel. These guys who are like the creme de la creme of this this play calling revolution. What's their opinion of Kevin? Are they like, hey man, well, he can you know the game plan's fine. We'll figure out what he's doing, and he can't adjust. Right, and if he can't adjust, he's a B to B plus. Like he's a B anywhere in the B range, given give or take based on the week. Yep. And like, is that good enough to win the games that matter most and go mm -hmm. to the places that we're, mm -hmm. we've always talked about? So we got on a little limb there. We didn't even talk about this pre-show, but that was like just something I've I've just sort of yeah. been thinking about as we as we really run into a heavy the 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 importance of getting this offense right was less important last year, right? Because it was just carrying the water to the next guy, whatever, whatever. There's a lot of pressure on this offense figuring out the best way to be dynamic. Mm -hmm. And does Kevin have that ability? We're going to find out. We're going to find out. So, yeah, um, I, I think response that, to that, if you will, before we go to camp notes. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that there's it, it's what you said. There's an opportunity here, right, to, to kind of upset that narrative a little bit, because I, I think the other question and I think it's that it, it really dovetails nicely with everything you said is that a lot of the Browns success under Stefanski has been in the run game, which, you know, I mean, Bill Callahan is, is, you know, the assistant head coach in the coach's ear on all that stuff and probably the best offensive line coach in the game. Right. So like mm -hmm. to a certain extent, you know, having a, a running back like Nick Chubb and, and, you know, that talent level of the offensive line and that coach, not to say that Stefanski doesn't deserve credit for some of that, but it does, I think, I think you can ask some questions. I guess I guess where I'm going is this year is really going to hinge on the design and execution of the pass game. I would agree. And yeah. you know, the run game can be there as a support, but but they've got the quarterback, they've got the receiver talent. The this pass game should be really hard to stop. And if it's not, then that's where I think this the conversation about who that guy is as a coach really comes into a it really crystallizes right because yeah that's it's going to expose limitations if they are there i really think that because uh run games rely so much on physical mismatches right uh strength on strength domination it, it really you can almost <clears throat> i mean we see this from nick chubb every every week uh, uh, you know, somebody tack or hits him in the backfield and he still wills himself to a, a three or four yard gain, right? That's on, that's in play in the run game. You can't really do that in the pass game. You can't, you can't, you know, you, you can't uh, grit out uh, a 20 yard completion. Those that's, that's about design. It's about space. It's about, uh, you know, understanding how to manipulate defenses and coverages. And I think that's, that's where all of our attention will be. And so I think that leads right into the you know, the camp notes on, on a day where, uh, you know, the passing game had some, some highs and some lows. It, it did. I want to, I want to go back to that Minnesota game in 19. So Great. Kirk Cousins was 21 of 29, 172. 
21 of 29 for just 172. Yep. That tells the story. Touchdown and interception. Sack six times. Dalvin Cook runs nine times for 18 yards. Oof. Tevin Coleman, 22 carries. Raheem Mostert, 12. Matt Breida, 8. So. Wow. Um. Yeah, just that, that that comment stood out to me. How if you listen to it's like the fourth episode, third or fourth, where Shanahan is just so casually like, yeah. I saw what Minnesota was doing, and then it wasn't going to work again. Like, like he is a mathematician, like like he is a beautiful mind. Like now yeah. there are faults about Kyle Shanahan. We we can not can not here to do that. But as far as like, oh, I can see what you're trying to do, and I know how our defense operates because I go at Robert Sala all the time, nonstop. You're not. That's not the solution. And to 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 be that confident that they weren't going to come up with a solution in game, yeah, was sort of like the way it was just so cavalier. You do wonder if they're like, you know, we we know what they're doing. And I think we'll know again. We'll know. Forty yeah. ers come in here early in the season, right after the bye, right? Great point. We'll, we'll know. We'll know <laughs> quickly again if you can handle some of these elite schemers because yeah. Miami exposed them, right? So. You know, when those guys get together, we'll see what they can figure out. Uh, it's just it's just like I would the, the big boy club of these play callers right now. Can you get the respect that's necessary? Right. And then there's the guys like Sirianni and Reed are floating off on their own little islands. Not that they haven't. You know, there's this little click of like the younger coaches, yeah. right? Which is what this whole show is about. Like, I understand that there are other ways to do this and find success. But yeah, Doug I'm Peterson. kind of waiting for somebody to come out and say, that Kevin's a, like the, like he's a genius at this stuff, right. and and we're just like uh, okay, we'll, we'll see if we can we can uh, hear some of that stuff. And I get I respect Kevin. I'm not here to try to tear him down. I think he's done a nice job in some spots, but I'm trying to explain to you why I think he's a BB plus and not an A A plus, and what you hope to see and what you hope evolves from all the stuff going on. But yeah, back to camp. So uh, listen, we don't have a ton to talk about. They ramped it up. They did seven on seven. That was really hyper aggressive. They're in pads. Um, shoulder pads are out there, right? They're, they're getting after each other. If you listen to people that were there, Fred Greetham talked about it in his recaps. There were several big plays on both sides of the football. There's a Jordan Aikens catch on the, on a slot fade that he just plucks it over the top of, I, I can't, I can't remember who was trying to cover uh, him in the slot. It was just the, the, the rookie from, uh, Tanner McAllister. That's right. Good call. Yeah. So he's a DB with experience there and it was just a fantastic catch. And, you know, there's the great route from Elijah Moore, which I'm going to write up and, um, that that's always great to see Deshaun and Elijah Moore kind of ramping up their success. We're not going to see much in the run game anyway, all through camp because it's so touch and go. Nobody's trying to get hurt. They're very careful with these guys, but you just look for plays that stand out, right? That there was a Harrison Bryant sale route catch. I liked obviously Elijah Moore had a couple catches. You talk about the Aikens grab. Um, Watson seems to can be continuing his sharpness that is carried over from, uh, you know, the, uh, mini camp tra- and, and OTA sessions. And there was the one interception that happened um, on the goal line. I think he was a little late getting to one of the, the, the flat runners. I call those like dart runners where they're kind of darting to the goal on your low ball, low throw, try to beat the DB to the spot. And uh, he was a little late with that one. There was a bomb that happened over Mike Ford, who's a, again, a special teams ace coming in and trying to fight at the corner spot. Jalen Darden caught, which again, if you missed it, I did post some potential solutions wide receivers on the market, either free agents currently or guys who could be scooped up from the wire. Whenever these guys teams start making moves, they're not forced to make moves as early as before, but there are names out there. Andy Isabella and you know Sammy Watkins is out there. So if they wanted to add, I know Andrew and I are pretty vocal about not wanting to move 
Demetric Felton back to wide receiver, as Kevin had mentioned they could. We don't want to see that at all. So I would hope, and I know it's a little difficult, Andrew. I was thinking about this when I wrote it, like just getting a guy to the green buyer is a little tricky yeah. for that scenario. <laughs> so like, yeah. I think they're probably right. not going to do any additions until they get back. Uh, and then they can that's start flirting with some of that stuff, that's you know? So um, yeah, that's, that's it. I mean, it looks like Dorian Thompson Robinson got a lot of run today. He's going to have a big role in the, in the, um, yeah. uh, the, the hall of fame game. He had a nice touchdown pass doc, Austin Watkins, who just joined the team recently. Um, so Jacob Phillips left he to go in. I mean, just talk about these guys, shorts, Jacob Phillips, just can't stay healthy. Yeah. So Jordan Kuhn has got the snaps for Phillips with the first team as obviously Walker and Taki Taki are, are working their way back from injuries, not doing any team sessions, but nothing surprising other than you continue to hear more and more, Andrew, about Greg Newsom in the slot. I know that there's been some, you know, the chatter around the, the meeting he had with Schwartz was that he's not going to be locked into being there all the time, which he wasn't last year all the time there, but um, there's, you know, differences in how they're going to play it. But what I found interesting in OTAs and minicamp was how many times Denzel Ward was in there. doesn't seem like I'm catching the breeze of Ward being in there quite so much. I thought he looked lost at times in a couple of minicamp clips I saw up in Berea, but uh, we'll see. I'll, I'll be eyeing that very closely. I think I am going to try to get up to to watch them from the from the bleachers on the sixth and the seventh of uh, August. So that'll be after the Hall of Fame game to try to get a feel for some of that stuff. Tony Fields came in when they went three linebackers. Again, not a surprise. Typically, Sony uh, Taki Taki's job. Jakeem Grant, Jalen Darden feels like one of those guys to me is going to make the roster. I feel like I would, I probably would prefer Darden for young upside, more of a natural receiver. But mm-hmm. you can't count out Jakeem Grant, in my opinion, yeah. because he's just – he's coming off that Achilles. He's hes still dynamic. He can still you know, spark some plays in the preseason that tell you we have to keep this guy. So, obviously possible. Um, first pad – like full padded practice will be, uh, as you're listening to this, maybe in the morning. It's, it's going to be this early Friday morning practice. So, they'll have a second one Saturday, light work Sunday, head back to Cleveland, and you're really starting to cook it up for – the hall of fame game, which will be right around the corner. So yeah, that's it from training camp. Anything really that caught your eye that you feel like is men- worth mentioning? Well, you know, you're talking about Darden and Grant and, and this Marquise Goodwin situation. And, you know, just thinking about it more, I, I think unless they know that Goodwin is, you know, on, on the right track and, and poised to return in the next week or two, I, I really think they, they they should be considering and looking at making another move at receiver. Yeah, it's receiver and running back continue to be in my mind. I should yeah. mention too, uh, Dalvin Cook visited the Jets. That's the first yeah. like big name running back we've heard with a yeah. visit. Didn't mean yeah. to interject there. One of them is going to sign, and I think that'll kind of open things up for everybody else. But yeah. but I I just think I mean it's you know it's something that I I know that that you said on on a podcast with Brad Ward once or twice, and, and I think it's it's such a good point of like you're either all in or you're not, right? And yeah. I, I think the good the Goodwin thing is such a clear-cut case of it just it it has me really remind it really has me in mind of Greedy Williams, you know, where he, yeah. he had that that shoulder nerve injury and you didn't know if he was going to come back and then the next thing you look up and it's mid-season and it's like, well, yeah, we got to shut him down for the season. And it's like, well, did were you waiting to replace him the whole time or, you know, like I, I, I think there needs to be a little bit of a sense of urgency just, and I like at the same time, I know that it's very hard at this point in the calendar to find a, another guy that has the Marquise Goodwin speed. There's probably 10 guys, 15 guys like that in the league, right? Maybe, you know, mm-hmm. 20 at the outside. So there's not like 
you just walk to, you know, walk to the, 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 uh, grocery store there in white sulfur Springs, West Virginia, and pick up a, you know, four, four, three guy, uh, that can, you know, take the With top Bryce off Ford Wheaton up too. Actually, right. exactly. a really nice exactly. camp for the Giants. Yeah. But, so. um, but I do think I do, I just do think that they, it felt there was so much buzz around the specific role that he fulfilled in their offense. It feels weird to me to talk about that so much and then just be like, well, he, you know, he's not going to maybe be a part of this team and there's nothing we can, you know, I, I just I would like to see whether it's a free agent signing or a you know a, a small end of the roster trade. I, I just don't think. I mean, you, you talk about Jalen Darden, Jakeem Grant. I just don't think those guys are are going to bring the same. I know they're not going to bring the same thing, and uh, I think it's something they need. I think it's really something they need. I do too. It, it it's to me, you're just kind of addressing. You, you're kind of you're almost pre patching holes, right? Like yeah. We don't have a hole here. We think we're going to be fine, but you don't want to run into a situation where you do like, I'm kind of drawn to the Ravens who like just brought in Arthur Millette. Like they're just trying yeah. to bring in like some veteran guys who that in case things go sideways, they have just some guy like just, you don't want to, you don't want to have to count on no offense to Jalen Darden and maybe he figures it out. But like the Melvin Gordon signing there is another example of this. Yeah. Like, we yeah. just don't want to be stuck in a spot where we have to deal with some of these things. So yeah, to, again, to your point and what I said before, like if you're all in, then be all in without yeah. any, without any potential issues. Mm-hmm. So I, I hope that when they get back and maybe they, they work through the hall of fame game, yeah. Yeah. they try, they try to patch up a thing or two there yeah. when the opportunity arises. Cause I don't, again, I really don't think that unless things got super dire down there, like they lost four no, or five guys yeah, and maybe that's what's Kevin's referencing to, saying like when the situation while we're down here we can move Demetric back just to get through yeah, some drills right but the, the, there's hope that when they get back they'll be flexible with this because it's, it's tricky hey could you fly down and get a, you get a car you could do it but it's just just kind of tricky so yeah you're talking about somebody traveling most of the day to, to work out for you or whatever it's not it's not real plausible they, they i'm sure i'm i'm sure you're right jake that they had the idea that they're going there with a team uh, make sure they have the the roster balanced for for everything they need to do, and then they were going to come back and then see what's what. And and like you said, yeah. they're back. They practice once that's open to the public on the first, and then they're off a day, and then they play the Hall of Fame game. And, and really, then you know that weekend, I think they're off. You know, for the for the day of the you know Joe Thomas festivities and stuff. So mm-hmm. it, it's probably even like into like the sixth, the seventh, when you're going to be up there. That probably that's when a move like that would be made. But I just I, the thing that I I have seen them do is the, the situations where it just kind of lingers, you know, and I, I, I just have this sense that the Goodwin thing is really going to linger. And I don't, I don't think it benefits this team where this team wants to go to let this sort of thing just kind of hang around. And, and again, like I said, maybe they, they have a, a clear indication that he will be able to return in a few weeks, but I don't know. It doesn't, it, to me, it, just using common sense, it doesn't feel like the sort of thing that if it didn't clear up between when it was diagnosed in June and now, I, I it, it, it I'm skeptical that something over the next few weeks is really going to shake loose, if that makes sense. Yeah, and a guy like Marquis Goodwin who runs faster than anyone he's ever met in his entire life, right? It's not surprising to me he'd be on the side pushing the envelope a little bit, doing some things like exactly. He's, super, he's got a superhuman feel. So, um, yeah, I'm with you though. That some clarity on that would be great. And again, maybe they trust their guys. Like you know, we trust them all. We have six guys we really trust and. Not trying to create anything, but it's just sometimes there's like I just would like 
Andy Isabella costs next to nothing. And he's at least been in NFL games and has a vibe for how to do things, where to be. And I think Isabella's working out with the bills or something like that. Yeah. That'll probably shake out soon. But that's kind of the point of what I'm saying is you mm-hmm. don't want to have to put Dalen Baldwin or Mike Harley's on the field in any scenario where it actually matters. So that's right. we'll see what they do and they'll, they'll tell us a story and, They'll they'll potentially leave themselves open to some massive I told you so's, but maybe their end of the I told you so works out a little better. I don't know, but that's why we have a dinky little podcast to discuss these trivial matters, and you guys check it out every day. So works out for everybody, doesn't Teamwork. it, Andrew? Teamwork makes the dream work. We're going to be right back. We're going to take a break. Sponsors are going to chat with you for a second, listen to them, give them your thought, and then we'll uh you know we'll be back to talk about Browns wide receiver room, which is. Even though we're talking about bringing another one in, they still have 30 of them. So we'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so they have a lot of these guys. I wasn't kidding about that. We're going to go through them, and then we'll do our key questions. Uh, Michael Woods is obviously out for the year with the Achilles, but they brought in Austin Watkins, UAB, Cedric Tillman, Anthony Schwartz. I think he returned to the practice field, so he's out and about and trying, I guess. Donovan Peoples-Jones, Elijah Moore, Rashawn Henry, um, Mike Harley Jr., Jakeem Grant, Marquise Goodwin. Jalen Darden, Amari Cooper, David Bell, Dalen Baldwin. That's a lot of names, Andrew. It's a lot of names. A pretty crowded room. I think they got really afraid of the 2020 season when they played the Jets and they had no wide receivers that they're like, we're never going to let this happen again. Yeah. 
So we'll be ready for this pandemic if it hits. <laughs> um, all right. Who has the most on the line in this room? Uh, I think I have a good feel for it, but I, I'm sure you're going to say it because I'll let you answer it and then I'll, I'll maybe have a runner up off that. Uh, well, it's interesting that you think it's obvious because I'm not sure that I do. Um, I, cause I think you could make a case for Kamari Cooper because if, if Cooper, you know, I mean, he needs to, he, he, the way his contract is structured, he really needs to kind of stay at the level that he was at last year, or he's going to be looking for another team. Um, I think you could say Donovan Peoples Jones because he's in the last year of his contract. And then I'm, I'm assuming, I, I guess the guy that I would guess that you're thinking I'm thinking is Elijah Moore because you know, he was a player that showed a lot of promise in college, high second round draft pick, gets traded after two years of not doing too much. And, and is really, I mean, certainly the, every year the media has to kind of fixate on one player through training camp that is, you know, that they just work to inflate expectations and, and, uh, you know, make that guy out to be the savior of the offense or the defense or whatever. And this year it's definitely Elijah Moore. Those are the three. I would think most people would answer that question when Donovan people Jones. And I feel like they'd be right because the variance between his outcomes is so wide. He's gone Mm. up all three years, uh, the the second year in the league because nobody else could play. Right. You know, Odell's cut and Jarvis is hurt and he leads the team receiving last year. He gets up to what? I think he almost got to 900. So, you know, you start to talk about, well, this is a, is a 10 million a year extension limit. He could have like a 450, 500 yard year. Like it's very, like his yeah. range of outcomes this year are really wide. And he's in this critical, critical season of his fiscal and Browns related future, right? You're right about Amari Cooper. If he takes a step back, they're certainly not going to be paying him another year. They don't have to start to look at address that in a different way, shape or form. So there is pressure there. And you're right. The one I would have piggybacked off of either one of those and said is Elijah Moore, where the the buildup is real. It's happening. It's not. It's it's significantly higher than David Bell because I think all of us know he's a better player than David Bell. But it reminds me of David Bell last yes. year, yes. where hey, David Bell's gonna have like 600 yards. You can just see it. Like that 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 stuff was always funny to me at the time. You know what's interesting to me in my mind is I actually think David Bell is gonna outproduce what people are expecting this year. And uh, that because he's just kind of being forgotten about. But again, Moore does have a lot on the line. You're right. I mean, he's entering the third year, underperformed so far. Not all his fault, but there is no excuse anymore. Right. Right in front of him, they're expecting him to be an 800 yard or more receiver for them this year. The pressure's on. He has a lot on the line, and the second contract for him, if he has two repeats of his first two years, he's just going to be fighting for a minimum job. Like he's yeah. not going to make yep. real money yep. in the NFL. So, um. That's that's the one. And then the, the next is position battle. Um, you know, I don't think, Andrew, there's a like I feel pretty good that uh, Donovan's your X and Amari's your Z and, and your your slot or your F or whatever alphabet letter the playbook names them as is is more. They're going to move those guys around. I think the end of it is the battle, the end yeah. of the rot. So like Jakeem Grant and Jalen Darden as these as sort of shaped up here are the two that I'm most drawn to because I feel like there are five locks. You got Amari, you got Donovan, you got Elijah, you got David, and you got um, Tillman. And then it's like, okay, are you keeping six or seven? And if you're only keeping six, which one of those two do you prefer? And like, how are you handling the Goodwin scenario with all that? That kind of is important too, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, two weeks ago we were talking about, if we were talking about five locks, we were talking about Goodwin instead of Bell. And then Bell was in this conversation. It yep. was, you know, before the Goodwin news, it was really, 
you've got to pick one or maybe two of Jalen Darden, Jakeem Grant, and and David Bell. And and now it's probably one spot between Darden and, and Grant, assuming that Goodwin ends up on an injury list of some sort. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think that's the camp battle. And then I think, you know, uh, it is possible just with the way that they've kept some of these guys that, you know, Mike Harley and Dalen Baldwin have been in the, 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 they've been around the team since this time last year. So yeah. Baldwin's uh, had some moments. Yeah. And I think Harley has too. I I, I think they're both NFL caliber players in terms of like, they deserve to be on a roster somewhere. It's a question of whether or not there's, there's anything beyond that. But I, I do think, you know, the good one uncertainty and the fact that, you know, Grant is coming off of an Achilles injury. Darden was a late season waiver claim by the Browns last year. It's not like either of those guys has like a, a, a real in with this team. You know, they have, yeah. neither of them have, have a real track record with the, with the Browns. Uh, I do think one of those younger UDFA types could kind of, you know, sneak up, get involved in that conversation because they've got the extra preseason game. They've got some young quarterbacks that they can develop uh, chemistry with. So it, it could be one of those things where you see one of those one of those stories unfold, certainly. Yeah, and, and two, you look at it and you say, you know, the six or seven dynamic is interesting and will probably tell us a lot about what they plan to do throwing the football. Um, that's another element to sort of think about, right? How, how much depth do they feel they need? Uh, what personal item of yours that you covet would you would you would you gamble? Feel comfortable gambling that Anthony Schwartz has a nice preseason and puts himself in the conversation? Is there anything? The decor behind you? I know your podcast listeners can't see that what I'm talking about. Is there anything you'd feel comfortable so you're, wagering? You're, say, <clears throat> you're saying that I keep it if he fails and I give it up if he succeeds. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's a terrible like you would never do that because the you're not getting anything back. You would double right, it. Right, right, right. No, so yeah, that. but I, I, I see what you mean. Like how how confident <laughs> am I that he's yeah. done? Um I'm you know, I I would with <clears throat> with most versions of the Browns front office, I would be ninety five percent or more confident, you know. So I would be yeah, I would be I'd be offering up some of the finer Finer, the finer goods, my home, uh, in, in you know, as as uh, assurance. But with this front office, I just think that we've talked about this before. They like their guys, and yeah. we talked before the break about you know replacing Marquise Goodwin potentially, and the only guy on the roster other than Marquise Goodwin that has you know Olympic level speed is Anthony Schwartz. So it's ironic, huh? So maybe it, the door's cracked and. I, it's cracked. Let me say that it is cracked. Like yeah. the door, the door was shut. Now it's kind of cracked open. But he's got a long. He's got to get across the entire room and right. The, and the, the and floor he still hasn't practiced. Like my son loves to play that game. The foot you get it. So yes, yeah, and he still hasn't practiced. So yeah. there's that. I mean, that's the yeah. real issue here, right? Is like, we, it's one conversation we're having, Jake. If it's like, well, you know, he's got a little chemistry and he got loose once or twice behind the defense and even caught one of them or something, you know. But like. Mm-hmm. Well, he hasn't yet been on the field. I, I, that that to me, that's the part where it starts to feel really confident that it's like this is just it's never going to come together. I think we've kind of nailed that with Schwartz, where it's just kind of cracked open. But boy, I don't. There's just even with that injury, there's no way. But then you think about which guy naturally sort of is like the closest to something Goodwin can do. 
and Schwartz would be the one that you would point your finger at in that scenario. But that uh, zero confidence building. Yeah. Uh, dynamic, right? He has the, the really fun end around touchdown against Tampa where it's like that is an actual NFL thing you did and then catches a ball against the Texans the next week and just fumbles it like a JV player touching the varsity field for the first time. It was it was so so obviously going to happen. So uh, just has not gotten out of his own way. And, he, you know, some of these guys just um, not good enough, just not good enough. So uh, last question here, because we've done long-term outlook way too many times on wide receiver because it's such an important position. But uh, you get one guy that's going to rise – and, and, and maybe it will say exceed expectations. And then one guy who's going to fail or I shouldn't say fail, but fall, fall below that line. I, I think the rise is, I mean, I think the, the chalk is on more, right? Because it's just what he's, mm-hmm. you know, what, where he's coming from. I think he does have the skill set to do it. Uh, and, and I think obviously the opportunity is going to be there for him. Um, but I'm, I want to go off the board because I just feel like it's so boring that the you know that the we all got to just get hyped about the same single guy. I think uh, Cedric Tillman, maybe not week one, but by the end of the season, is going to be a clear contributor to this wide receiver room. Be a great outcome. That's that's a good pick. I think you know it's it's interesting the the opposite i mean every bit of the focus on this wide receiver breakout went from bell last year to more this year where tillman is again their first pick in the draft yeah, that they used exactly. to get a third round player but you're really not hearing much so i think that yeah. that's that's pretty fair to call him a guy that could rise the only other one that i would say has a chance and and, and sort of an outside chance to jump past what we expect uh, would sort of be like a fringe guy who makes it and then and then jumps up. So, yep. Um, you know, I, I think that David Bell was a fringe guy, but he's not now. And and I know it's hard to say someone in the third round pick the year before is a fringe yeah. guy, but they were really to the point that they could have been. But I think David Bell is going to over uh, produce for what people expect yeah. from him. Like he's just right. sort of getting forgotten in the shuffle. And I, I think he'll find his way on the field a little bit this year, whether by, and I think he could be out there naturally, but I do think injuries will happen. They were very lucky last year with that. And I think that's going to work its way back to sort of the, the average status at that yeah. position. So there'll be some guys who miss some games. And I think bell will have like a 400 yard five, four to 500 yard season. I think it can mm-hmm. be there for him on yeah. the fall side below expectations. Yeah. It's, it's, I hate, it's I hate DPJ, to do it. Right. I think he could be either of the top two. I was going to say Cooper. I think that there's mm. a chance he just has like an 800 yard year, 850. Interesting. Where he's yeah. kind of just sort of flirted at the thousand to 1100 yard mark, and right. I think that this year, again, I think they're better suited to handle this, and it might not even matter them. I think he's going to miss three or four games. I think he's going to miss three or four games with something, and it's just going to not have. He could have the same efficiency metrics. He could have the same everything. But it's just not going to be the thousand yard receiver he was last year. I think that's going to, he's got a chance to work its way back to like 900. It's not like he, I'm saying he's going to be terrible. I'm just saying he's going to fall below what I think some people think. So yeah. uh, I'll go Cooper if you're going Peoples Jones, which Donovan is a very fair one to, yeah. To but it kind of depends on where the expectation sits for Donovan right. because I don't right, think right, you would right. expect him to repeat last year's numbers, would you? I've heard some of that though. I really have. Really? You know, okay. I, yes, I have. I mean, when you when people start talking about him getting another contract, what they really are envisioning is that he takes another step forward this year and Cooper takes a step back 
and DPJ is their clear-cut number one going into next year, which I don't see the path to that, but but that's that story is is definitely out there in terms of like him continuing to develop and be kind of turning into their main guy. And I think it's be I think it really comes from just how reliable he was last year, right? Like as as yeah. much as Cooper was their guy for bigger plays, DPJ was was so instrumental with those third down conversions, you know, that I think you know, he 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 really I think won over a lot of fans. I, I think everybody's always liked him because of that game-winning catch against the Bengals his rookie year, right? But like, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think last year it went to another level of just like, get him the ball, he gets first downs. You know, he makes plays when it, you know, he catches the ball, which is always one of the best know. in the NFL. Would do credit that when the ball's in his vicinity, he's yeah, catching it. He's coming down so, with it, which fans love, yeah. right? I mean, that's the reason David Njoku is disliked more than he ought to be because occasionally he will he will drop a pass and it, nothing drives fans crazier right the the, the book yeah. on David Njoku is that he cannot catch the football which is hilarious to me but but uh, yeah no I think I think uh I see your point about Cooper and I think the the real question there is just how the offense really ends up being designed and how they want to attack I think Cooper could have a down year in terms of the targets just get spread around a lot and, you know, Watson is so comfortable getting to his second read or even sometimes his third that Cooper doesn't have the same sort of featured role as he did last year. When there were times, it was clear that Brissett was really kind of feeding the ball to him almost exclusively. I think that there's going to be such a variation in how Watson goes about it, largely just because of you hope, yeah. the nature of his scrambling and, and right. moving around right. and doing things. So. Right. I'm with that. Late night news before we sign out of here. Chris Hubbard is going to Tennessee. So the Titans are putting together a uh, a really good 2016 football team. Titans are going to wear the Oilers uniforms against the Texans. Yeah, that's cold blooded. It's really cold blooded, you know. So uh, cold world, as they say. We're out of here, though, man. Good show. A lot of lot of information shared and and not just uh with the browns around the nfl i hope you folks enjoyed it and i know i did andrew so thanks for being here buddy always a pleasure jake thanks for having me all right man let's get out of here thanks guys for being here rate review the pod you know we appreciate it and any honest feedback is welcome you know on those reviews like there's a way we can be better if there's something that would uh, you know you think would be better for the show then never hold that back we like to hear the the feedback good or bad you know we certainly will take the good like to read that but we will also take the bad to improve this show uh, as best we can as it continues to evolve in the coming months and then now it'll be the third year of daily coverage for the obr film breakdown so you guys have built out a pretty insane audience here and i love you guys for that and appreciate you a ton and we'll continue to provide and andrew will be a big part of that too so thanks for being here like i said on this friday Check out the OBR for Fred Greetham's content on camp live at the Greenbrier. So uh, hopefully you enjoyed yesterday's uh, spot there where he was able to share some of his firsthand experiences um, as well. So we'll continue to give you as much as we possibly can around this team being in another state, but they're coming back home soon. So we'll be able to get some of those insights. So again, thanks for being here. Have a great Friday, everybody. Stay safe. It's pretty hot, like 95 in Ohio today. So stay safe. We appreciate you. Go Browns.